Hi everyone, welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast where I am your host, Nicolette Richet. And on the Eat Real to Heal podcast, we invite guests on that have gone ahead and taken their health into their own hands, especially when they've been hit with a chronic disease, when they've recognized that this has been developing in their body for a long time, they've tried to find answers to it and they realize that the surgery medications, the pharmaceutical medications and you know other treatments aren't working and it's when they really truly start looking at the hundreds of other options that there are available to you to overcome your illness. And so our guests are those people who look to the healthier, more natural ways of treating their chronic diseases, including their cancer, depression, mental health, infertility, autoimmune disorders. I mean, the list is so long. And when those people do that, and then they actually get relief from their disease, actually reverse their disease, and then they truly have a story to tell because their stories took courage, those actions to do something that is not the norm, something that contradicts what your general practitioner might be telling you that you know, you're going to have this disease for the rest of your life, that you are going to have to live on these meds for the rest of your life, that the only way that you can manage your illness is to cut out the organ or cut off the body part. And it takes courage to say, you know what, can we pause for a second and can we do something different? Do I have time to do a little bit of research to try something else, whether it is diet, whether it's stress management or chiropractic care or physio care or rehabilitation of some other sort that doesn't require the drugs that will often lead to more drugs or the surgery that often leads to more surgery. So we invite those people onto our show in today's show, I have the honor of inter- interviewing this incredible woman, Bonnie Coberly. Now, this podcast especially, I mean, it gives me shivers when I think about it because Bonnie's life and my life are so intertwined and so similar. Um, her life mirrors mine so much in that she's a female entrepreneur. She started a business 100% organic whole foods business called healthy bites in washington dc and she grew this business and it grew fast and with that uh she probably well not probably she did realize that you know health issues that had started before she had even started her business exacerbated and which led to a depression which lent to led to panic attacks which led to her body really um, breaking down and ultimately burnout and I've experienced burnout twice in my life and a lot of people who see me they go oh my god Nikki you have so much energy how do you do it all but at the end of the day what people don't realize is behind the scenes of being an entrepreneur especially in the whole foods plant-based world is one of the fucking hardest things that um you can do like if you're seriously considering going into this field and i mean we have five franchisees that are in it um it is a hard thing to do it's hard to make beautiful food that's fresh every single day it's hard to have so many employees that you have to train not just about making the food but also the health benefits of it because your customers are asking these questions day in and day out so so much of bonnie's story resonates so deeply with me because i have to keep myself on watch for burnout 
all of the time. And in fact, it's something every entrepreneur has to do. Being an entrepreneur is a lonely endeavor. Nobody's ever run your business before. Nobody's ever done it the way you're wanting to do it with the vision and the passion and the drive and the goals behind that business. So you really are the sole person on this path trying to figure it out. And it's not easy. And in this day and age with social media and, you know, with Facebook and Instagram and everybody tries to make everything look so beautiful and pretty, truly behind the scenes, it's a freaking ugly mess most of the time. But there's beauty in that mess as well. And that's what this podcast touches on. And it also touches on the ability to stop and to bring in lots of different tools that are there they're available to every single one of us and bonnie finds those tools she's got more than a dozen of those tools and she has to discover them use them apply them every single day and figure out how each tool is going to benefit her in each moment and she shares that journey with all of us all of the listeners on this show today so what it looked like to go from you know uh, starting this healing herself first then starting a business and then burning herself out then finding out that her business partner was swindling money when she wasn't even paying herself wasn't paying her suppliers and how she had to get herself out of hundreds of thousands of dollars of financial debt tax debt supplier debt um, at the point when she thought she was just going to walk away from the business but being the person of such integrity being the person who had such passion for other humans and love for other humans and this ethical side of her she just could not do that to her suppliers so instead she at the time when she was at her all-time burnout low she has to take back this business away from her partner run it on her own build it back up to the point that it is successful and she's able to sell it. So she's going to take us through that journey. I hope each and every one of you listens up closely because if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a mother or a father and you have young children, if you are working in a business that you're passionate about, even if it's not your own, but you just care deeply about it, that you give it all you've got. Uh, You need to be someone who pays extra special attention to this podcast so that you can recognize the sign of burnout and learn from Bonnie Coberly and figure out what it is that you can do to take back your health, to reclaim your life so that you can thrive and survive in this crazy, crazy world. So Bonnie is now a wellness coach for entrepreneurs. She has such a gift that she's sharing with the world. So stay tuned as we dive into this Eat Real to Heal podcast and dive deep into Bonnie's journey. Thanks for being with us. We are live. Um, Welcome, Bonnie. Thanks so much for being with us on the Eat Real to Heal podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be Yeah, so excited to hear your story. Um, When we met a few weeks ago, we had just met for the first time, a a mutual friend of ours had put us together, uh, connected us. And it was interesting because as we were chatting and you were telling the story about running your business and hitting burnout and, you know, having digestive problems. And it just sounded so similar to what I've been through in my life. And just with running all the businesses now, uh, it's something I have to really pay very close attention to. I know the signs of burnout, so I can always stop what I'm doing and, you know, fix things and take the time I need to do that. But the very first time I hit burnout, I obviously didn't know that. And your story was so similar. And I think it's really important for our listeners to know um, what life looked like before burnout, 
during it and afterwards. And on the Eat Real to Heal podcast, we invite people on who have taken their health back, taken their health into their own hands, where they didn't just simply succumb to the recommendations of their health practitioners, you know, who claim that they know what's best for you and your body. But what they do is they, you know, do their research, they try different things, they look at the hundreds of alternatives that are out there, and they figure out what works best. So they don't have to just solely go down the surgery and medicine route. Um, and that pharmaceutical medicine route. So I'm so excited to hear your story. It really takes us from, you know, having digestive issues all the way through to um, plant medicine, which is definitely a hot topic in this day and age. So I want to dive into that as well. So why don't you take us back to um, when you, did it start with digestive issues? Yes. Yeah, as it normally does with most of my clients, they talk about how, you know, digestion was the first thing to go, which we know is definitely the basis of chronic disease. So take us back to to the very beginning. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was certainly the case with me. And and similar to you, it's it's often the case with clients that come to me as well for health, you know, counseling and advice too. Um, and I always kind of joke that my introduction into the, the health and wellness field was started as a gut feeling like truly kind of just punched me in the gut i was 21 years old um in my last semester of undergrad at colorado state um oddly enough it was the night before 9 11 and um i was with some friends we were hanging out and i don't know what happened but i got this just excruciating pain in my stomach and it was so intense that i thought my appendix had ruptured or something like really bad was happening my system i didn't know what it was um but it was concerning enough that my friends ended up taking me to the emergency room where i spent you know several hours waiting to be treated waiting to be seen. Once I finally was seen by a doctor, you know, they did a number of tests. They couldn't really conclude anything um, in particular was going on. So they sent me home with a bottle of Percocet and basically said, you know, good luck. Um, wow. So, Do you want to tell the listeners what Percocet is? Yeah, Percocet is just a, it's a pain medication. Um, and one of the side effects is that it's actually very upsetting to your stomach, which was certainly the case with me. I mean, I've only had to take it a few times in my life, but have always hated it when I've had to, um, because it does just, my sense, my system's really sensitive to everything. And so definitely the side effects were present for me. So I just thought that was kind of odd. Like I went in with stomach pain and came out with a medication that can cause more stomach pain. Um, and had you ever had digestive issues when you were a little girl? I never, ever had. It was, I mean, I always was kind of this person who had like an iron stomach. I could eat anything. You know, I was an athlete growing up. So I thought about food primarily through the lens of performance and what do you eat to perform as an athlete? But I had never up until that point thought about food as a thing that could truly deeply affect your health in any other way. Plus I was 21, you know, and I could get away with all the eating the bad things and the drinking and all of that stuff. My, you know, I was like young enough to, to get away with it. Um, but yeah, it was a real, it was a real awakening for me because I'd never had an issue like that, that really took me out, um, as it related to my health. And so essentially, you know, the next few weeks transpired and that stomach pain never really went away. 
And I would find that certain things would really trigger it. Alcohol was a huge trigger, you know, in undergrad, there's a lot of drinking, um, at least there was in my case. Um, so I noticed like alcohol is triggering this. Um, I noticed a few other things were triggering it a lot. Like if I was eating fried food or anything like that, it was also waitressing and bartending. So it was just around a lot of that, you know, kind of environment. Um, so I was definitely starting to make some connections around triggers and response in my body. Um, and I just thought, okay, the, the way you go about this is you go to the doctor and you get the test and they tell you what's wrong with you. And then you take a medication and it helps. And so that's the, you know, that's the route that I started going down and was really my first introduction to like down the conventional medical rabbit hole. Um, and I saw several doctors. Um, the first one was just like my campus doctor. And I remember her, you know, not really knowing what was going on, um, mentioning something about maybe avoid a few acidic foods like oranges or tomatoes. And here's another, you know, here's a pill to try essentially. Right. And so I tried the pill and, you know, two, three weeks later, I was still suffering a lot and, um, and really noticing now that kind of everything was triggering me. Like I may have mentioned even water, you know, sometimes I would drink water and I would notice, oh my God, I can't, like, I don't know what's happening, but I would just be like bent over in pain. Um, and so, it's interesting that you yeah. say that about the water. Cause I just had a session with a client earlier and she said exactly the same thing. She's like, if I even drink water, my whole stomach bloats up. I mean, yeah. it's this, that's how sensitive we are. And especially if we're drinking tap water, I mean, there's so many things in tap water and the chlorine itself, um, is, can be so upsetting. Or if you live in, you know, do you have fluoride in your water in California? I believe we do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I filter all my water now. But. Yeah, us too. I mean, and people say, oh, municipal tap water is so great and so clean. But at the end of the day, even water is, um, it can, when somebody's digestive system is so weak, um, they can't even have that, let alone, you know, even healthy foods um, yeah. that should be health promoting for somebody who has digestive issues. It's, I mean, it's just decimating to the gut if you don't have. Yeah. So, okay. So what sport were you playing, by the way? Um, well, growing up, I was a, a, a track and cross-country athlete and uh, basketball, yeah, were my main sports. Yeah, and you played in university or high school? Uh, I almost played basketball in university, but decided not to. Um, I wanted to move west to Colorado and was really following my heart there. So, um, yeah, I chose, I chose not to take a basketball scholarship and to move and do something different. Interesting. The reason I ask is because I went to university in Mississippi and I played tennis and yes. And, but like looking back, it is so crazy what, how there was just no relationship to, to between food and athletic performance and health because we used to go to McDonald's and Wendy's before our coach would bring us there on the bus and before a five-day tournament and we would just chow down and they'd be like eat as much as you can you need all the energy you can get and it was like you know frosties from wendy's and fries and you know and back then you can at least get a baked potato at wendy's and they would not even they'd be like no you got to get the burger and the meat like i couldn't and it's just it's outstanding. And of course I gained 30 pounds in my first semester being down there. It was insane. And I'd come back home where I'd just go back to eating the way I normally ate and I would lose it all again. Um, okay. So that's why I ask about that because it's, it's incredible. Um, okay. So then digestive issues, you still have this pain. How many months has this been now that you're experiencing this? Well, I, I definitely was, was actively seeking a diagnosis for about three months or so. 
um, then tried a new doctor, tried a new medication, you know, did that for whatever they suggested, like give it four weeks or six weeks and was still in the same cycle um, of just inflammation in my body. I didn't even know what inflammation meant back then. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that that was a thing in your system and, and what it did. Um, but definitely in and out of, of a deep cycle of inflammation. And uh, yeah, so I think after my second or third doctor, they finally referred me to, um, to do the kind of the bariatric test to see, you know, where you drink the stuff and then yeah. they see what's going on in your system and, and do that whole thing. And, and then it was at that point that they, um, they finally gave me a diagnosis. Um, they said that I had gastritis, which is basically severe inflammatory, um, uh, severe inflammation in the lining of the stomach. And, uh, so it made sense that everything that I was eating was hurting because my stomach lining was inflamed and they really didn't give me any tools to deal with it at all or even talk to me about why this is happening. They just said, you know, it's your last semester of college. You're probably under a lot of stress. Like you just need to, you just need to figure out how to manage your stress better. And I'm kind of like, well, how? Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's it's like really, really freaking stressful to not be able to eat food or drink water and they were like, here, take this medication. And it was some variation of something I'd already tried and I already knew that it didn't help me. Um, and, you know, looking back on it now or, you know, over the years, it's just remarkable to me that I was dealing with such a severe digestive disorder and not one of my doctors talked to me about what I was eating. Not one. I mean, there wasn't even a connection there at all that that could be part of the problem. Um, well, you know, just to no discussion about anything natural at all, at, at all. Of um, course not. So, yeah. So I just remember leaving, you know, leaving the doctor's office that day, like now what, you know, now what do I do? And, you know, I kind of, again, like I mentioned, I had noticed there were certain triggers. So I was trying to cut back on the things that I knew were problematic. Um, but Which I were, really what were those things just like alcohol and, you know, kind of fried food or not that I didn't really eat. Like I always had a pretty decent diet, but you know, you're in college and you don't have a ton of money and you're mm -hmm. eating like ramen and you're, you know, you're just, you're doing the things that you do to survive in college. And, um, yeah. So I just remember feeling like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to learn how to manage the symptoms of this and possibly deal with this for the rest of my life, which was a pretty sad thing to face as a 21 year old woman. But um, so many young girls, young women in their twenties and late teens have these exact symptoms. And I was just on the balanced blonde, pod, balanced blonde podcast in, um, with Jordan Younger. And I mean, she's got a whole host of health issues as well. And she's only 29. And after that podcast, I had like hundreds of women email and they would describe things where I, as I was reading the email, I'd be like, oh, this must be like a 65 year old woman writing this. And they'd end with like, I'm only 27, help. And just like, gut wrenching for me, literally no pun intended, but digestive issues and health issues. And um, I was just in a store getting my jacket fixed the other day and the girl was covered in eczema and she was 22 years old. And she, we started talking, of course, and she started to tell me about all her health issues. And, you know, these are 
I mean, any human born in the 1980s onwards is seeing these exact same things that you experienced. And it's worse than it's ever been in history. And I mean, there's a lot of reason behind that, which we'll dive into. But um, yeah, to be 21 and thinking like, I'm going to have to live this way for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must have been scary. Yeah, it was really depressing. You know, I just, I, I, I wanted to feel well. And I had been really healthy most of my life. And it was a real eye opener for me, for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, I think more than anything, I just wanted a solution. You know, I really wanted a solution. So there was, there's always been a deep desire in me to, to seek what's true and to find mm. solutions outside of like what's considered normal. And, and I love that sentence that you just said, I want to seek what is true. And do you know Byron Katie? Have you followed any of her work? Yeah. And I love the first question out of the four questions that she, you know, encourages her clients to ask and, you know, to say, is this true? So for example, in your case, you, you know, could have said, okay, do I have to live with this for the rest of my life? Well, you could ask, is this true? Do I have to live with this for the rest of my life? And it's amazing how many people actually resign to the fact they're like, oh, the doctor says you're going to be living with this for the rest of your life. And they go, okay. Mm-hmm. Give me the meds. That's it. And then that's it. Research stops trying to think like that there's an alternative solution out there. Like any hope stops, like all of that. And if we were all to just sit back and be like, okay, you know, what other people tell tells us, what other people tells us is true. I mean, what would this world look like? You know, so I love that's such a powerful statement. Like, is this true? Is it genetic? Is this true? You know, there's so many different ways to ask the questions when it comes to our health. But definitely. Yeah. And your body always knows what's true, right? It always knows. And, and that's what I've really learned in my whole journey of healing is that your body is always communicating to you. Um, it takes presence and it takes patience sometimes to understand what the message means and what it's about. But, but it's, it's, there is a communication happening within always always. Yeah, I love that too. And, you know, I often say the sentence, you know, don't shoot the messenger. I teach this to my clients or when I'm speaking, I'm like, don't shoot the messenger. Like when you get a mole that looks funny, you know, sure you can go and cut it out. Anybody can do that. But what was the mole telling you? That's, you know, no longer benign, but it's, you know, a malignant mole. What is the migraine telling you? What is the weight gain around the middle telling you? What is, um, you know, the gut telling you when it has a pain on the right side versus a pain on the left side versus a pain, you know, in the bottom half close to the uterus or near the bladder? Like all of those things are different messages. And your body knows, like it's trying to tell you via the form of pain, right? Yeah. To be like, hey, stop, listen up, find the answer to this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. powerful. And this is, you know, it's fast forwarding a little bit, but, um, you know, one of the things I realized that my digestive disorder was telling me, and my doctor wasn't entirely wrong that I needed to reduce my stress. I absolutely did. But what I needed to do was develop a healthier way to deal with my stress. Mm-hmm. And what I, like many Westerners, I think, was doing is I was just shoving it. You know, I was just shoving the emotion down. I was shoving it all down into my gut and didn't know how to work through it. You know, I didn't have yoga then. I didn't have breath work then. I didn't have meditation then. And so you drink and you numb out and you do the things that are sort of normal or considered okay. Um, So, 
yeah, my gut really was, was showing me that I wasn't living in alignment and I wasn't dealing with my feelings or my stress in a healthy way. And what was your energy like at that time? Like, did you wake up and spring out of bed and like, did you notice anything there on an energy level um, with how Um, much you had? I think, you know, I think again, because it was so long ago and I was so young that I still, I had that in my favor at that point. Yeah. And I think I was also just going, you know, I was like finishing school. I was doing all the things. And, you know, when you just get in that rhythm, you can just for me anyway, I could just go until I drop. Like I would get to every semester break and get strep throat because I would just hit it as hard as I could until my body was like, we're done here. That sounds (laughs) exactly like me. And it's amazing how our body will literally, literally keep us going, keep us going, keep us going until everything is over. And then same thing for me, I would get strep throat at the end of every exam, like last exam strep throat would hit me and it was like that right through university and I'd be like out for two weeks it was brutal until one point I was 21 and I got walking pneumonia and you know even then I didn't get it treated because I was like oh it's just a cold that's gonna pass until I went in my lungs were full of fluid and the doctor's like you could have died and um yeah, it was scary. But I mean, that's how it's it's so nice to be young. No 40-year-old could ever get away with that. <laughs> I certainly cannot anymore. No. Definitely not. Okay so, uh, okay, so now at this time, you're still trying to figure out an answer. You are still trying different medications. You are, um, and you know, that's again, sound, it reminds me of when I was 16, I went through um, just, it was lots of stress and um I moved out when I was 17 and I had all these digestive issues myself. I remember when I would eat raw broccoli and it would send my body into spasm, which sounds crazy. But, um, and I went to a doctor and actually, fortunately for him, he was like, you know what? I think your body's same thing. Like you have a lot of stress happening and you just need digestive enzymes. And I was like, what are digestive enzymes? And to me, I thought it was medication. And so he did prescribe me a pharmaceutical grade digestive enzyme. And when I took it, it was interesting because it gave me what I needed to be able to digest the food so it wouldn't cause my system to spasm. But um, again, I remember the doctor saying, okay, if that doesn't work, just come back in two weeks and I'll give you something else. And I think that's something so many people resign to, like, hey, just come back in two weeks, we'll give you something else. And you were sort of in a similar cycle of that now. Definitely. Yeah. And then how long did that go on for? Um, So that went on um, until, let's see, uh, well, I actually moved. So this was the fall of 2002, uh, sorry, 2001. Um, And then in February of 2002, I moved to DC to take an internship where I planned to be in DC for three months. It turned into 13 years. Um, But yeah, so I moved to DC to take an internship. And I think at that point, I honestly was just like, I'm just going to figure out how to do this on my own. This medication doesn't work. You know, I would kind of recognize the stress response. I was getting attuned to more, just getting more attuned to the messages, to the triggers and the messages and was like, okay, when it gets inflamed, I'm just going to deal with it. You know, I'm going to try to do these things better, et cetera. Um, So then I was in that place of, honestly, I almost think a little bit of apathy around it where I, or acceptance, maybe it was more acceptance than apathy. Um, of just like, this is the way I'm going to live. This is how it's going to be. And then it was not too long after I um, was in DC that summer, I decided to stay and work for the summer and just check out DC and see if I liked it and maybe, you know, look, look for a job and whatnot. And um, 
And uh, I met someone who, uh, similar, it sounds like to your doctor, she was um, basically a nutritionist. And I ended up mentioning to her what was going on with my digestive system. And she's like, hey, why don't you try these really high quality digestive enzymes. And then she also suggested this very, very um, potent concentrated aloe juice product. Mm. And then she talked to me a little bit about, you know, irritants and inflammatory response in the gut and what things like wheat and dairy and sugar. So this is a medical doctor? Uh, it was a, uh, someone I met who was who was a nutritionist, basically. Oh, okay, nutritionist. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, health, uh, kind of a health coach, nutritionist, and um, and she's become one of my dearest dearest friends. Um, but so, you know, I was I kind of approached it like everything else, like it's probably not going to help, but I'll try anything, you know. And I hadn't wasn't even really connecting that it was like the natural. I didn't even care. I was like, I don't even care that it's natural. I'll try anything once. And so I do re- distinctly remember the first time I took the digestive enzymes and I was, I was having a, an inflammation attack basically had been in the response of, of my gut and the pain went away like almost immediately. Wow. And I just remember standing in my apartment kitchen at that time and I just started like sobbing because I could not believe that it had helped and nothing to that point. I had had that response in my body to anything I had tried. And I was like, Oh my God, I think this helps. And then I noticed that the enzymes I was taking similar, what you're describing, they helped me digest the food, but it was the aloe juice that was really healing the, you know, the, it was cooling all the inflammation that was in there and really beginning to heal my stomach lining. And so taking those two things in tandem, along with just increasing my awareness of, of triggering inflammatory foods within about six months, or sorry, within about six weeks of starting that regimen, I hadn't, I hadn't had a flare up. Not one. is amazing. Okay. So I love that because I love it because it's really, um, I guess it's validating, you know, for, the stuff I teach. And especially when I tell my clients, you know what, like it, your body will heal so fast. Like it really doesn't take much. I mean, it can, you know, happen in six days, you know, but six weeks is, you know, really, really common for a lot of people, especially when they're trying to figure it out on their own versus like when you give them sort of a strict protocol follow it that really eliminates um, any of the refined foods and brings in all the plant foods, which are healing and healthy. And then coupled with the digestive enzymes and any other soothing, you know, materials like the aloe and everything. So six weeks, I mean, it like, People who are listening, if you're living in chronic pain right now, your body will heal so fast, so, so, so fast. And instead of living with this pain and discomfort for years and years, you like rest assured it can really heal within a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's powerful. So then what happened at this point? What were you like, were you, did you just go yay and move on or was this a turning point for you? It was a huge turning point for me. I mean, I'm I'm definitely the type of person that if I have a deep experience with something or something really impacts my life, um, I'm like, how do I share it with people? I just can't help myself, you know? Um, I'm just sort of like a natural, I guess, sharer. I get excited about things. Um, and, I, and I'm a teacher also innately in my core. And so, it was a really, it was a really deep turning point for me. And, and actually 
is the reason that I stepped towards um, work in the health and wellness field. And I, um, I continued on my regimen of working with these, you know, with these supplements and some of the, you know, dietary changes that I was beginning to make. Um, I ended up getting a job working with a nonprofit organization in DC that was working on policy around organic food standards and supplement standards. And I did that for about a year and a half and then um, began working with an environmental organization for a couple of years um, and, and really began to just really just self-educate myself. I really wanted to learn more about nutrition. I was very interested in the overlap. I always kind of considered myself an environmentalist, you know, living in Colorado, really connecting to nature, being an outdoors person and a backpacker and a hiker and all of that. I really began to to see this this overlap between health and the environment and just kept moving towards what I was my deep curiosity around it. And so like three years into that um, kind of self-education and, and just, you know, you know, cultivating my own interests around it, I decided it was time to really take a step um, and, and really start working with people around changing their diet and their lifestyle and integrating more organic foods and more plant-based foods and whole foods and all of those things. And so I ended up uh, going through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition's Holistic Health Coaching Program in 2007. Uh, I registered for that. And that was just, for me, another really huge turning point in my own healing journey as well, because I had grown up, like I said, as an athlete, also with a lot of disordered eating, you know, like counting calories and thinking about everything around um you know, how's this going to affect me and the body image issues and all of that stuff around, around being an athlete. And then when I got into this program, I really started to understand uh, the healing potential of food and this idea that every single one of us is biologically unique and every single person um, needs a different type of diet. And that can change from day to day, even depending mm -hmm. on how much sleep you got, where you are in your cycle, what season it is, you know, all of these different factors. And I really, at that point, started to understand this idea of intuitive eating and, and, and then even just deepened in further into my own intuitive sense, but also connecting those messages of like, what is my body trying to tell me? when I'm working with my clients, like what is their body trying to tell mm -hmm. them and to try to help them navigate those things. And, um, yeah, it was just, it just opened up a whole new, uh, it just, it ignited such a passion in me that I hadn't felt for work ever in my whole life, you know, seeing the way that someone's life could change so dramatically just by changing what they were putting on their plate mm -hmm. and just by changing their relationship to stress or getting some more movement and getting in nature more. And some of these other, you know, lifestyle things around water and sleep and some of these really foundational basic things to begin working with people around those things. It just felt like it was totally a calling for me. Um, and, and it felt like the most rewarding work I had ever done in my life. Wow, that's incredible. Um, and I, I mean, definitely feel exactly the same way about the work that I'm doing. Like I feel so incredibly 
blessed and to be doing this work and to work with such incredible people who want to find an answer to their health issues. There was something in there that you said, um, which I just want to bring some clarity around because I get so many questions, you know, right down to like, is it safe to eat that many fruits and vegetables? Or is it, you know, is there enough protein in my diet? And and so on and so forth, if I just eat a plant-based whole foods diet, and which is predominantly we, you know, promote 100% organic plant-based whole foods, real food, unrefined diet. Now I've had, I mean, with having our restaurants, we have a so many nutritionists who work for us, um, which I think is wonderful because we have, you know, one in two people diagnosed with cancer now, one in four people living with a chronic degenerative disease. We need a world of nutritionists that can sit down and have these, you know, one-on-one conversations or group conversations with people to teach them about how to eat real food. So when you mentioned that, um, you know, different people need different things and, uh, you know, a different diet based on like the time of the year and the time of their cycle and, um, you know, their age, all of these different things. Um, can you bring some clarity around that? Because I can imagine there's people who's listening to this. They'd be like, yeah, see, I need the burger and fries. Mm -hmm. My body needs that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you just talk about what you mean with the difference in diet or I need to have the bread because my body craves bread or I need to have, you know, my body craves, I've had even someone say my body craves alcohol. So therefore I must need it. Yeah. Yeah, Good, good, uh, good question. And good point of clarification. Yeah. I should say that sort of the way I look at it is yes, we're going to have these cravings and then there's a healthy way to meet them. And there's an unhealthy way Mm -hmm. to meet them. Um, But there is a message that's happening like, okay, maybe if you're craving bread, for example, oftentimes a craving for sugar is just, is your body asking for energy, you know? Um, And bread is really just sugar when it comes down to it, the way, depending on what kind of bread it is, of course, like white bread is just, there's nothing in it that has any nutritional value at all. So there are, I believe, foundational habits. There are foundational rules kind of around nutrition that everyone benefits from. And then from that place, I believe, you know, I, I personally don't take a dogmatic approach to my diet. I do kind of listen like today, I feel like eating more protein. I just feel that in my body. And yeah, you could meet that with a burger or you could meet it in a healthier way. So I don't know if that helps to answer your question um, because I think when people are saying that they're just, they're often in a cycle of food addiction. Exactly. And so it's about helping them to break that cycle and, and train the body to meet those cravings in a healthier way because the body will also crave what you give it. So exactly. if your primary way of meeting your craving for fat is cheese, your body's going to crave cheese, you know, or Whereas if you can train it to start to start meeting that need with avocado, your body will start to crave avocado. So you really can, I believe, train the body to crave different things as you start meeting those cravings with healthier choices. Yeah, totally agree. That's awesome. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, okay, so t- so where are you now? You're in this world of wanting to teach people um, how to eat well and be strong. And yeah. so where does that take you career-wise? Yeah. So at this point I'm really in, like, I'm really into this whole food thing, seeing the, you know, the overlap of how organic food in particular is, 
you know, addressing all these environmental concerns that I'd become very educated around and just loving the overlap of that too. Um, and working with people around shifting, you know, towards organic and, and all of that. And I'm doing some, you know, corporate work at this point, working in schools, I have individual clients, um, really starting to build up my health coaching practice, um, doing some work within a physical fitness studio, um, working with some people around that because I still had a lot of interest in, you know, just exercise and, and fitness. Um, and it was really at that point that my community, in particular that fitness community, started asking me like, hey, can you cook for us? <laughs> you know, and this is 2000 now 2008 when this whole meal delivery craze is not a thing yet. I mean, there are a few sort of national companies doing it. And I think we had like one or two kind of small regional companies that were doing some of that, but, and whole foods, you know, it wasn't everywhere back then. Like there was kind of one whole foods in DC at that point. And if you lived near it, you had a shot, you know, you could, get stuff on the hot bar or you could kind of figure things out. But I found I was spending a lot of time with my clients, like looking at takeout menus. You know, these are busy DC folks that are working sometimes 50 to 80 hours a week and traveling and all of these things. And they weren't being as successful in our work together, not because they didn't understand what to do, but they didn't have the time. And that was real, you know, it was a Definitely. real challenge for them. And as you know, to, to be healthy, you need to shop and you need to cook for yourself most of the time. I mean, you mm -hmm. can eat out sometimes, like your restaurants are a great example of that, which I loved all the food that I had there. Um, but yeah, you need, you need healthy homemade, homemade food. And so, <clears throat> you know, at that point, it was kind of like my inner entrepreneur really started to get the best of me. And I never, ever, ever planned on being a food entrepreneur. I had no interest in it at all. Um, you know, I'd worked in restaurants and things like that, but didn't see myself in that capacity. I'm like, I can have a dinner party, but I don't know how to cook for dozens or hundreds yeah. of people at the same time, you know? Um, but but essentially, I, I got really curious and I recognized that there wasn't anything in my community that in D.C. that was meeting the needs of people that wanted something healthy and convenient. Like you said, the fast food, like that was what was available, that mm -hmm. you could find some healthy carryout options, but not really, you know, and. So I ended up starting kind of a pilot program with a small handful of clients. I think there were like six to eight people in my pilot group. I started doing some just market research around, okay, what are these other companies who are kind of doing meal delivery? What are they doing? Um, I started putting together some of my own recipes, you know, just like looking through basic things. And I put together essentially like a six week meal plan uh, for these clients, I at that time had, had was working with the owner of this um, personal training studio, and we hired his nanny to cook the food because she'd had all this restaurant experience, and she brought in her sister, and we did this little six-week pilot program with our clients, and it went fabulously, and everybody loved it, and um, they were like, "Are you? Can you please keep doing this for us?" And at that point, I was like, "Well." I don't know, I guess, why not? Like, <laughs> let's just give it a try and sort of see what happens because this is really helping people. And this is a way 
for me to serve. And I really, really wanted to be of service to my community. So, And that too is really powerful because I do see a lot of these clients who, you know, they come in and a lot of them have that victim mentality like, oh, it's all about me and every, and it is hard when you are battling a chronic illness. I mean, you do, you have to focus on you. You have to put the life mask on yourself first. You can't be of service to anybody else. And, but what's amazing is that, you know, if they can get the help that they need, do, change, make the lifestyle changes that they need to do, get their energy back. Um, what I find to be the most healing is to be of service to someone else, to be of service to, you know, your community. And it could just be the 10 people closest to you. You can expand out to, you know, a larger, broader, wider um, group of people. I mean, you can go international. It doesn't matter what it is, but just being of service is, I think, so much a part of the health journey as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. And so here you are being of service uh, to your community because after this pilot project goes well, which again resonates so much with me because it literally is like I'm hearing myself speaking. I started to make juice out of my apartment and sell it to restaurants just as a pilot, just to be like, hey, you know, will people want to buy this? Do they like the flavor? Are they willing to drink, you know, cold pressed organic juices? Are they willing to pay for it? And so I was just doing market research, really exactly the same. And then of course, and then I went off to ask other people like, okay, you know what? My clients are asking for food. They need food and they're asking me to make it. And I'm like pregnant with my third child. There was no way I'm going to be able to do that. And uh, started to try and ask other restaurants to um, make food that my clients can eat. Can you just do that in your restaurant? You have all the chefs, you have all the equipment, you have the ability to buy food, just make healthy food. And the restaurants are like, no, nobody's going to buy that. We'll never make money. We'll lose money on that. So they were like, no. So in the end, I'm just like, damn, I'm going to have to do it myself. And so that's just, yeah, such a, and sometimes you just can't help. It's almost like, and I don't know if you felt this way, but it's like, there's an invisible hand on your back being like, you just got to do it. This is your calling. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it was a, again, very much a calling, but a wholly unexpected Mm -hmm. one. Um, Not something that I'd ever envisioned for myself but but also you know as an entrepreneur wanting to serve but I also saw like there's a huge market mm-hmm. for this like how is nobody making healthy convenient food a yeah. thing how is that even possible <laughs> it doesn't even make sense to me you Completely. know so um starting so starting this food company was was definitely a calling but um a wholly unexpected one um I just couldn't believe that you know, there wasn't anybody in the marketplace making healthy, convenient food. So I also saw, you know, I wanted to be of service, but I also saw there was a huge need in the marketplace for what I felt I could offer. And so then in January of 2009, I, I launched my first real company, um, Healthy Bites. And, great name. you know, <laughs> thank you. I always loved the name. Um, like, it's no, it's very clear what it is. It's healthy and you're going to eat it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it started really small. Um, it, it was a whole journey just to get it off the ground. I mean, as you know, the food business is wildly operationally complex. Yeah, so, so much. We were, you know, what I had decided I wanted to create was um, a meal delivery service. So we were essentially operating as a personal chef. We would create menus for 
the entire week. And then our customers could order from anywhere from three days to seven days of food. They would get three days of meals to four days of meals delivered at one time. And um, so, you know, when you're in production in a business like that, we were making hundreds of meals at a time for all these different clients and, and, you know, having no experience in the food business. And so I'm trying to figure out the operational processes. We're also delivering things like how do you keep them cold and how do you plan a delivery route? And, you know, so it was just this. And also with food, the margins are really small, right? Because in addition to just the fact that margins are small, um, things are perishable. So the over order or you under order, you know, there were just all of these things that I had no idea I was about to learn. And, you know, what I realized looking back is that I was just at the beginning of really the hero's journey of being an entrepreneur, which is you just freaking go for it Mm -hmm. and you figure it out along the way. And that was, you know, truly my experience of being in the food business. You know, I had no freaking idea what I was doing when I started. And it was a really interesting di- dynamic to be in as well because my whole my whole mission was to help people get healthy. And what was happening for me personally behind the scenes, which nobody could see, is that I started falling apart. Mm-hmm. That the things that gave me joy and gave me levity and gave me a sense of groundedness, I didn't have time for those things anymore. And I was putting all of my, all of my love, attention, time, you know, in addition to just it being a really stressful business to run and figure out. And my health really started to suffer. And I was about, um, a year or so into the business and had been hitting it so hard. And, and, you know, early on in any company, you do everything when mm-hmm. you first start, you clean the partly toilets, you have money to hire people, partly because you have to figure it out. Cause you don't even know what you don't know and you don't know what you need. So, yeah, so you can't delegate it. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was really learning and trying to understand this business I was creating because it's very much like creating a being, you know, it's, you're, you're birthing this thing into the world and you have to understand what it needs and how to help it grow. So I was in the process of learning all those things and I was a year in and, you know, going through the schlep of like going to pick up the food that we couldn't order wholesale and doing the deliveries and helping in the kitchen and dealing with the customers and all of those things. Um, and it was about a year in that I had my first panic attack. Wow. And, and did you feel it? Did you did you know that that was potentially coming up? Like, could you feel your body, like any other symptoms happening? Or I just had been. Um, I mean, I've always been a really deep feeler and and pretty like pretty expressive with my emotions, at least with people that I really really trusted. Um, but I felt like I was having this sense that I couldn't control my emotions at all. Mm-hmm. Like. I was just so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed all the time and my mind just couldn't stop. Like there was always something to figure out. There was always a fire to put out. There was always another thing to do. And I just, it was like, I could never get enough done. And I felt myself in that hamster wheel of like, oh my God, this is never going to end. This yeah. is literally never going to end. It and doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't, right? I mean, that's what you realize. It's like it yeah. ends when you say like, I'm going to stop working today. Um, yeah. But I didn't know that then because I, this was my first, my first go really. And 
so I remember I had my first panic attack and I was in my living room with my husband and I started crying and I just, I couldn't breathe. It was like, it was everything I could do to get air into my lungs. And I just remember him holding me and being like, oh, he wasn't, like, we weren't even married then. We weren't married yet. We just started living together. Um, poor guy. <laughs> he had no idea. He had no idea what he was getting himself into there. Um, I say the same thing about my husband. Um, yeah. And I just, I felt deeply like something was terribly wrong. Like I didn't know what was going on in my body, but I felt like I didn't recognize, I didn't recognize myself. I felt like almost like kind of a shell of who I had been a year before starting this business. And I didn't really know what to do about it. In many ways, I kind of felt like I was back where I was with my digestive disorder. Like, whoa, my body is clearly communicating something to me. I don't know what it's saying exactly, but I know I have to look into this. And so that's when, you know, thankfully I'd, I'd done enough of a journey into natural health and nutrition and everything at that point um, that my first stop at that was a naturopathic doctor. Mm -hmm. I went immediately to a naturopath that um, I knew through a wellness center that I'd been helping at. And she did, you know, a, a complete hormone panel on me, um, tested all of my levels, like looked at nutrition and basically the test came back and she was like, Bonnie, you're a borderline adrenal fatigue. And mm -hmm. I was 29. Um, and she's like, this is serious. You, you do not want to get further down this path with your adrenals because it's really hard to come back once yeah. this gets worse. And the part that, you know, is so important about this is that number one, you went to a naturopath first. And so they're going to look at the body very, very differently. And they're going to test things so differently than if you had gone to a medical doctor who's a traditional medical doctor, like the one who hasn't studied nutrition outside of med school, the one who, because they don't teach nutrition in med school, um, people need to understand that, um, or the doctor that hadn't looked at the effect of stress on the body. And, um, going to see that naturopath who was able to test that first and then be able to give you that warning, like, hey, you know what, like, you got to stop doing what you're doing or change what you're doing. And I think that is so powerful because when I hit burnout, I happened to, my second daughter was a year and a half, and I would get in a car to drive and within five minutes, I'd be falling asleep. And I had no, like there was no cortisol left, like there was nothing, no adrenaline being pumped, nothing to keep me awake. And, um, you know, I had had my second baby, I had started a business, um, a different business back then. Um, I just finished doing my master's, which had been like a very emotional experience because of the subject matter I was studying. And um, I remember going to the doctors and saying, hey, I have adrenal fatigue. And I, this is just before I learned about the Gerson therapy and learned about, you know, really the power of food to heal the body. And my medical doctor said, what are your adrenals? Oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly. And I said, excuse me, like they're those little tiny organs that just, you know, sit above your kidneys and they help to regulate a lot of your hormones and, you know, the cortisol. And, and I, and then the second thing I said is I said, I think I need a magnesium test because magnesium is so important for managing um, the adrenal uh, adrenaline and, and cortisol and um, other, you know, stress hormones in the body. And they're like, oh yeah, we don't, we don't need to test you for magnesium. Everybody's fine. 
And I was like, well, how is that possible when 95% of the population is deficient in magnesium? Like you can read medical journals that actually, you know, show the, show that information. And they were like, there's no medical articles that show that. So here I am somebody having somebody tell me that, well, they didn't even know what their adrenals, what adrenals were. And so of course they didn't know what adrenal fatigue was. And they just told me that wasn't a real thing. So yeah, you, you, I, you know, just that step that you took, I think is so powerful. And this is something that's really important for people to know is depending who you go to, you're going to get different answers. So you can go see 10 different practitioners. You might go see acupuncturist. You might go see a homeopathy um, practitioner. You might go see a, you know, a psychiatrist. You know, they're probably going to prescribe you an antidepressant in that situation that you were going through, Bonnie. Um, you know, you go see a medical doctor and they might prescribe you something else and you go see a naturopath and they're going to look at something else and a chiropractor will look at you from a skeletal muscular tension, um, you know, standpoint. So it's really important for people to know that depending who you go to, you're going to get a different answer. And I actually ended up having a medical doctor who finally was able to tell me that they were able to say, you know, you go see 10 different medical doctors, you're going to get 10 different diagnoses. Yeah. Okay. So here you are. Um, so how long did that panic attack last? And was that the first one of many or one and only? That was my first one. Um, I definitely had a few others and became aware of why that was, like you said, um, I just didn't have, I didn't have enough cortisol in my body to keep up with the stress response. And, um, and so then I was aware also of the other symptoms that I was having, like, this feeling of depression that had been starting, like being thirsty all the time, you know, not wanting to get up in the morning, you know, just stuff like that, that I hadn't, hadn't made that connection. I just thought like, oh, I'm working really hard. I'm tired. But there was actually, you know, my body was really communicating something different, that there was a deep imbalance happening. And can you describe what that looks like? Because I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of people who are quick to jump in and be like, I'm depressed, you know, and therefore I need a medication. And um, when I was going through that time, I mean, it took me a year to overcome uh, that adrenal fatigue and to get back. And I just would go to bed at 7.30 every night with my kids and, you know, wake up at seven in the morning with my kids and have that almost 12 hours of sleep. And I would just do that. Like I had to rest and neutrify and all of that. But looking back, my husband would say like, I think you were depressed. You know, that's his definition, right? Of needing to sleep all the time. Whereas I never felt that, but maybe, you know, did I was, did I just not own that as depression? Um, or, you know, so I think it's hard for a lot of people to know. And then there's people who have extreme overwhelm and Tony Robbins, who's read like 700 different books on this subject, you know, for him, he classifies depression as being overwhelm. It's too much to do and your body just can't do it. So it actually is pressing upon your body. You are being depressed by the amount of things that need to be done in the world and it's too much. And so that's depression. Whereas, you know, somebody else might, else might classify it as a mental health issue. So what did that look like and feel like? And, um, and is there a way to know if, if being in a state is depression or not? It's a really good question. And I don't know if I have an answer other than, um, I think it's really different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know for me, um, I'm a pretty joyful person, you know, or had historically been, I mean, I'd certainly dealt with, you know, darkness and, and, and moments of feeling depressed kind of growing up. Um, but this was very sustained. Like there was Mm -hmm. a sustained note of, wow, I haven't, felt good in a long time and like joy 
Yeah, I haven't felt any joy. I ha don't have this fire in my belly for life. Um, I don't feel like connecting with people. I felt like really I wanted to withdraw. And partly mm -hmm. is because I was working so much. I just I didn't have the same amount of time that I'd had before to, you know, be in connection with my community, which I realized is huge medicine for depression. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as I continued to struggle with it for years after that. Um, but yeah, it was just like, just, I just felt off. And, and I honestly, I was crying a lot. Like I just felt overwhelmed all the time. And that for me was also a big signal. It's just like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't control my, my tears. There was just like, they were so present and there were so many of them. And there just mm -hmm. felt like there was some really deep sadness in me. And I think, I was, I, I think in some ways I was actually grieving. <laughs> I was kind of grieving my losing my old life, you know, mm. like, I'm like, whoa, I chose to do this thing. And, and I'm not sure why, <laughs> you know, I knew it was mm. going to be hard, but I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, the service, like being able to help people felt good, but there are way more moments of not feeling appreciated for, for what I was trying to help support people with now having like a consumer product, which is very different than offering a service. Um, so yeah, it was really felt, it felt very physical and that I just felt lethargic. And also there was like a really heavy, heavy emotional weight to, yeah. to it. There's um, that part about not feeling appreciated, which I think is interesting because um, it actually just made me think about TripAdvisor and Yelp reviews and social media reviews and Facebook comments and reviews. And, you know, and I get it. Like, you know, if you're going to create a product and put in a service and put it out into the world, like expect to get criticism. But the one part that I just like when people leave these reviews and I don't read them most of the time, like not the good ones or the bad ones, because it's a moment in time for someone. But when somebody goes out there and they're like, yeah, you know, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, they have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Like they have no idea that you have somebody who's like maybe has worked like 14, 15 hours that day. The food order was wrong or didn't even show up. And so you had to get in your car and drive to five different shops to buy things at retail price. So not even the wholesale price um, that you get from your supplier. And then one of your staff calls in sick. And so your packaging is not working. The lids don't screw on right. The tape is not perfect. It's like I'm coming undone. Like there's like a hundred million things. Oh, and by the way, the dishwasher blue and it's spewing water all over the restaurant, right? And the landlord just raised the prices and, you know, they're not going to renew your lease next year. Like, I mean, I can go on and on. So for all those people out there who like to leave those reviews, um, just know like you have no sense of what's going on behind the scenes and how much it takes for somebody who's in the food industry to literally even just be able to open the doors in the morning let alone create a really good product that's healthy and that's organic and that tastes good, mm -hmm. right? Like it, yeah. it's crazy amount insane of work. So yeah, like I, I can completely relate to what you're saying. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for doing that work that you do. That's amazing. So what do you do now? So you are recognizing that you are, um, you know, experiencing depression. What do you do next? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I definitely took her advice. Like she gave me a protocol to follow, which, you know, started with 
adding some, you know, topical progesterone, getting off my birth control, like things to help balance my hormones in my body. Um, then also like deepening into my diet even more, like cutting out caffeine completely, mm-hmm. sugar, you know, really looking at even things like um, whole grains and things that even just have like, you know, a uh, uh, a blood sugar response in the body and just really trying to even things out starting to add in um, was the first times I had ever taken adaptogens, and I started to learn about adaptogenic herbs and their ability to support the nervous system. And so I started to integrate those things. And Can you just explain start- what adaptogens are just because I know that there's going to be people listening who don't know what adaptogens are. Yeah. I mean, the way that I explain it and you probably have a way you explain it, but Really, they're just herbs that that really feed and nourish your nervous system. So when you have a lot of stress in your body, they help they help kind of um, blunt that stress response. They help normalize the, the the chemical stress response in the body, essentially. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. And also, the other part we need to touch on is how much was this costing you at the time to do this? Because I know that there's so many people who'll say, "But I just can't afford to see a naturopath, and I can't afford to go see a specialist, and I just need to go to my family doctor." Um, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's really part of it, right? Is like, unfortunately, these doctors do cost more because insurance often doesn't see the value in them and won't cover their services. So. I ended up being very lucky in that I had been working with a wellness center in the DC area doing some marketing support. And so I had access to um, the physicians and practitioners that were part of their network at a discount. So I was able to work with this naturopath. I mean, it's still, you know, I don't remember, I think it was a few hundred dollars to have an appointment with her. And then you know, to buy some of the supplements and things like that, probably another hundred dollars or so. But, you know, I think when you're really in a health crisis, it's like, you're going to pay for it then, or you're really going to pay for it later. And I just would, I was ready to do anything to feel better. Um, I knew that I couldn't go on feeling the way that I was feeling. So, you know, we just made some sacrifices in other ways, like cut out, going out for dinner or you figure out like there's probably something in your budget that you don't need and exactly. you just get from that. And so that's what I did because I wasn't hardly paying myself anything um, to run my company at that point. You know, it was only a year in, I was very lucky to, to get a paycheck ever. Yeah. Um, and that's just all also part of, you know, the, it's just part of the thing you're yeah. signing up for and was another thing I didn't totally, you know, I didn't totally realize um, the financial stress that, that put on, on me and my husband at that time too. Um, so I just started following her protocol and I started to, I started feeling better. Um, definitely was noticing like the stress response in my body felt like it was normalizing a bit. I was, you know, feeling like I just had more energy, um, which was really good. But you know, the thing was, I was still in that really early part of my business and I didn't have money to hire someone to do, you know, I was trying to offload what I could with the people that I did have to help me. But quite honestly, I was just burning way too fast and pushing mm-hmm. way too hard. And it was it was like my body just never really could get it just it couldn't get the rest it needed. I just yeah. couldn't give my body the rest that it needed. And I kept thinking like, OK, I'll get to this point and then I'll get to take a break or OK, I'm going to give us another two months and then I'll get to sort of stop for a bit. and you know, that time never came. It just, it wasn't, it it just wasn't coming. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, at this point, I I think I was about, 
two and a half years into the company now where we've now opened our own commercial kitchen, which also nearly killed me because mm-hmm. I had to do a whole kitchen build out. Um, my partner and I are not getting along at all. I'm intuitively sensing something is terribly wrong there, but I'm in such a, a point of business growth where we've now outgrown two rental kitchens. We're moving into our own space. The company is growing. I've just gotten married. I've moved twice. Oh I mean, God. so many things happened in my life. And I was like, I just got to keep going. Like I'll get to the kitchen, I'll get to the kitchen opening and then I'll stop or I'll mm-hmm. get to this. And I just kept moving the goal line. And, and it just, it all started to catch up with me. And I had this, this, um, yeah, again, another moment, it wasn't a panic t- attack necessarily, but I, again, with my husband, who I always could just share what was really up for me, I just like, at this point, I was starting to experience severe depression. Like, I didn't feel like I recognized who I was. I didn't have time to do anything for myself. I had no love for the company I was even creating anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I just, I could not, I my partner and I, I was like, this relationship is not going to work. Um, and so in this conversation with Travis, you know, he really, he gave me permission. He's like, you know what, Bonnie, you don't have to do this anymore. If you don't want to do this anymore, you don't have to, like, there's, there's nothing that says you have to keep doing this. And for me, that was such a huge moment because I think sometimes we just need to give ourselves a permission to Mm -hmm. feel what we're feeling and be permission to stop. I couldn't give myself that permission. And, and he really allowed me to, to see that in that moment. And so you know, the, this sort of leads into the next part of the story. But, um, what happened then was that I went to my partner and said, I can't do this anymore. Your business partner. Yeah. My business partner. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, I can't run this company anymore. It's killing me. I'm depressed. I, you know, I want to figure out a way to, um, to essentially separate. And I was fully prepared to let him have the company even, you know, there weren't a lot of assets really to divide Mm -hmm. at that point. You know, we didn't, I didn't know that we had a lot of debt, but we did, which I learned in this process. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't even really trying to get anything out of it. I just wanted, I just, I just knew that I could not continue the way I was continuing. I was starting to have like suicidal thoughts. It was Mm -hmm. really, it was really deep and scary for me. Um, and I didn't know how to ask for help. You know, I, I still was at that point where I didn't know how to really tell anybody what was really happening for me. And did you have a mentor or business coach or therapist, uh, anybody or it was right around that time that I recognized, like, I need to get some, I need to get some deep emotional support. Um, and so my yoga practice had started to become very important to me. So Mm -hmm. I was practicing yoga a lot. Can we go back before we jump into the yoga? Because I think Mm -hmm. this is really important. I want to know like when you turned to yoga and Mm -hmm. you know, what what did that look like? Um, But going back to the suicidal thoughts, like what, what did that look like? Was it you laying there being like, I just want my life to end? Or would it just like hit you like a flash that you have this image? Because I know for everybody, it's different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels really scary. I mean, I've never, I've never shared any of this publicly, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a lot of shame around it Mm -hmm. um, that I felt that low that I let myself get that low and that out of alignment because that had been my work is like 
I'm going to help people get in alignment. And here I am like creating a thing and just feeling like a goner, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was, um, it was more of like, like flashes. Like I'd be driving my car and be like, what would happen if I just went off the road? You know, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I didn't see any way out. So I think that's, I think that's for me what it was that I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine a way out. I didn't know how to, how it would ever end. It was like that kind of that hamster wheel analogy again. It was yeah. like, this is going to be me forever. There's no way out of the wheel. And the part with that, that I know just want to thank you so much for just being willing to go there and to share that because there's so many people who are, you know, have these thoughts and have these feelings and they don't know what they mean. Um, and just to, even the playing field, I'll share something that I've never shared with anybody either. And um, it's, I had those exact same, that's why I asked you if it was like a flash of an image um, versus laying there being like, okay, I can't figure out a solution. So therefore I'm like, nobody's making a logical, rational decision to take their life um, in a lot of these situations of burnout. Um, And the same thing for me, I just experienced this last year when we, same thing, financial stress, we almost lost our house. We had bought one acre of organic farmland and we bought it on a line of credit because we could and we just needed to get our taxes submitted other people who've listened to other podcasts have heard, got glimpses of this, but I'm just going to take it a step further. Um, and then Canada, in Canada, they decided all the banks, major banks in Canada decided that they wouldn't fund agricultural land, five acres of less. And we had just bought a one acre piece of land. So basically all this money we put down, we'd taken a line of credit. We had borrowed money from a friend. They were like, nope can't get a mortgage and we were paying 9% interest on this line of credit just for a few months. It was supposed to be, and it ended up being a year, which almost literally financially like tanked us. But I was, of course, like my teaching schedule was the same building up restaurants was the same. You can't just put that stuff on hold when you hit a blip in your life, like almost losing your house. And so I'm in China teaching, you know, hundreds of physicians how to use food as medicine And all night long, I'm like writing to the banks. And I remember one night laying in this hotel room in the middle of Kung Bao, China, and I bolt upright in bed because I had a solution. I had 3 million in life insurance and that would solve all our problems. But I didn't come up with the solution. My brain just took me there so quickly, exactly like driving in your car being like, what would happen if I just ran my car off the road, which, you know, that actually um, happened to one of my clients. And and he did that. He actually and couldn't believe that he did that. And he survived. He ended up being in the hospital for months, ended up losing like, like, it's just devastating. But that's where those thoughts can go. And so, you know, I mean, and that just happened to me last year. And I was like, what the hell? Where did that thought come from? That life insurance, like, you know, you have to be dead to be able to allow life insurance to kick in. So I just want to thank you for sharing that with me. And um, but I think being in the health world now, like I'm aware, like, okay, whoa, this has got to change. There's no property on the planet that's worth your life. Like I could let that go, let all the money go. And of course, thank God a bank did come through and give us a mortgage, but um, it can happen that fast for people and people who are giving kind, serving, smart, intelligent people like yourself. And I feel like I'm all of those things as well. And these moments of stress and financial stress can really overtake you very, very quickly. So people need to be mindful of that. So, um, so what do you do now at this point? You have yoga and how did you get into yoga and um, how did that become something that was helping you? 
Yeah, my uh, my very dear friend had had introduced me to his studio and he's like, you need some yoga in your life. And, you know, up until that point, like for me, my way to disconnect, reconnect, find my center was always through nature. So when I lived in Colorado or even early on in DC, you know, I had these various hikes that I did and it's just always was my thing, but it wasn't enough. Like I would go do my hike and I would still come back with all the anxiety that I had. And so I was recognizing that I needed to move it out of my body in a different way. And so I found this like very athletic, you know, very hot, <laughs> powerful yoga practice. And it was like, every time I did it, I experienced the runner's high, which I hadn't run in a long time because I don't have great knees and I wanted to be able to you know, do activities into my older years and recognize running wasn't, wasn't good for my body. Um, but yoga, I would get the same, I would get that runner's high after this particular type of yoga. And it made me feel better every time I did it. And so I knew that was for me. I, I recognized it very early on. And so it just became part of my schedule. You know, I, I carved out space for it. It was, became a requirement. Like, this particular morning and this particular evening or whatever I could do, I had to get to yoga at least once a week. And that became really, really important. Um, and maintain and, and remained a really important part of my grounding and healing journey. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. then the yoga and at this point is the depression shifting, changing shape, um, looking different. It, I mean, no, it was it not really. It was helping though. It was giving me a buoy. You okay. know, it was giving me a. I, I look at oftentimes like I talk about self care in my own practice is like they're they're pillars, but they're also buoys. They're mm -hmm. the things that help you keep your head above water when you feel like you're gonna drown. And so those are the things I was clinging to, and yoga was one of them because I was mm -hmm. like, when I do that, I feel like I can come up for air for a minute. And it's funny um, and that you so, say that because I've been, I don't know how many times people are like, hey, how's it going? How's business? You, you know, you guys are awesome. And I'm like, mm -hmm. actually, and I'm honest, I'm like, I feel like I'm just barely keeping my head above water right now. And people yeah. be like, no, oh, but yeah, everything's so awesome. And I'm like, no, did you just hear me? I really just keeping my head above water right now. Um, and it's true. We need to have, um, I got a dog. My husband's like, we're getting a dog because you need to get out from behind your business, get out from away from the kids and just go walk your dog and be in nature. And literally like my dog is my buoy. He doesn't know it, but oh, he probably does. But yeah. Yes. I had a dog who was a buoy as, as well. And she honestly saved my life. Like yeah. there was a night where she very, very distinctly saved my life. And, um, and I can relate to that too. You know, this is fearing around a little bit, but one of the actually deepest, I found deepest spiritual practices that I cultivated during that time when I was so depressed was I would uh, get home from the end of my day, take my dog out for a walk and consciously choose to look people in the eye mm -hmm. and say hello. And what I noticed was when I did that, I was able to kind of pull myself out of whatever hole I was crawling into internally. And it would give me an opportunity just to connect and be like, okay, I'm not alone. There are people, there's connection available to me here. And I would really cling to that. Um, and it's still like one of the, one of my deepest spiritual practices actually now, even not being not depressed, you know, it's yeah. like human connection is, it's really powerful medicine. 
such powerful medicine. And when you say now, uh, you know, not being depressed, what, what were the things that led to that? Like, what were the other things that helped you? And how did you know when you were no longer depressed? Like what, yeah. explain that well, part of your life? Yeah. I mean, I have had a very, very long journey to this point. Um, you know, the sort of the blip in the story that's next, which we'll get to this point is that, um, I was clear I was leaving my business, told my partner I was going to leave, felt most relief I'd felt in years mm. that I was like, this is the right choice for me. So what I discovered in trying to disentangle from my business partner, as I started to really dig into the finances, because I knew something was wrong. I knew something was very wrong. And I discovered that while he'd been financially managing the business, he hadn't been paying the taxes. And while we hadn't been paying ourselves, he had been paying himself. Oh, and so all the bills that we had put on net 30 terms that we were kicking down the road, he was taking the profits and taking them essentially. What? Yeah. Oh, and so what I uncovered over a period of weeks of, of deep dive investigation into the books is that we were probably several hundred thousand dollars in debt. So I'm thinking we're kind of clear and I can walk away and just let him have this business. You know, I don't even want anything to hiring a lawyer, recognizing that my only legal option, like bankruptcy is not an option because the debts that we have will not go away in bankruptcy. Wow. And my only legal option is to stay, run the business solo and legally remove my partner. So I did this like complete 180 from yes, this is clearly the right choice for me to, oh my God, I'm, oh, I don't even know what kind of hamster wheel I'm getting on next. And it was certainly one of the lowest moments of my life because I had absolutely no idea how I was going to get myself out of this situation. All I knew was that the only way out was through it and that I had to give it the, you know, kind of the old college try, if you will. And see if I could somehow pull, um, pull myself, but also this company and also the many people, the farmers, the producers, mm -hmm. the, you know, my employees that hadn't been paid for in some cases months. Um, wow. I felt this like immense kind of karmic weight of that, even though I hadn't necessarily done that. I had been, I had been a witness to it, even an, uh, an unaware witness to it. And I just knew that I couldn't walk away. I couldn't, I couldn't leave that. I, I, there was just no way having integrity that I have or try to have as a human being that mm -hmm. I could have walked away from that. And so, I can, yeah, that too, I, I completely get because some advice that, you know, we were given when we were going through tight financial times is like, just don't pay your suppliers, write them blank, che like checks and don't mm -hmm. sign them. Um, you can buy a machine that will, you know, it does something to the check. So it actually makes it null and void. I don't know. Apparently you can buy this thing. Please, nobody who's listening to this, go and get this. But there's some of the stuff that people told me to do and I was just like, I can't do that. Like our farmers are out in the field right now getting up and picking our stuff at five in the morning and yeah. to say we're not going to pay them. And there's been a couple of times where I've had to ask forgiveness to be like, we actually can't pay you right now. And, you know, and when you're honest like that, your supplier is usually like, hey, when can you do it? You know, we're not a bank. Don't use, use us as a bank. But we totally get that you're going to go through tough financial times. And, you know, so we've been so fortunate. So I get that, like that weight of that um, that feeling of letting somebody down by not being able to pay them. And it's such a hard one. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, it was really rough. And, and it was, 
I mean, it was just an assault on all and every imaginable front, you know, basically like there were so many, I recognized how many fires there were to put out and life just became blinding at that point. Yeah. It was like, it was just, I didn't even know how to take, I didn't know how to take in the betrayal and the anger that I was feeling. And I also did not know, I didn't even know where to start yeah. um, other than to, you know, call everyone and say, I got to put everything on a payment plan with you and I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I hope that you'll trust that I will live up to my word, that I will do everything I can, including my employees, you know, who yeah. are all ready to walk out the door and basically had a powwow with them and said, the only way that I'm ever going to be able to pay you back is if you keep showing up for work. Wow. And I promise you, I will pay you every dollar you're owed before I ever pay myself any dollar I'm owed. And I did, you know, mm -hmm. um, but but how did you because here you are like already at a low and feeling like I can't run this company anymore and then being like I'm out you can have the company but all of a sudden now you're like in a completely opposite situation um, and then you have the betrayal and then you you know have the pressure of paying all these suppliers that you owe lots of money to like how and I love what you said you know there was no way to go around it you couldn't go under you couldn't go over you had to go th right through it which is truly in most cases it's what you have to do right to where that's where true healing even just starts is knowing that you're going to go right through it um so how what do you do like i can't even imagine it was i mean it's way longer of a story than we have for this podcast we're gonna have um, to do four of them that's fine yeah, exactly um i am definitely gonna write a book about it at some point yes um, you are a lot of healing to even get to the point to be able to talk about it to be yeah. honest mm -hmm. um but yeah. I mean, I had a total, first I had a cry, you know, I had a crisis of just every, I just had a total breakdown. Um, so the breakdown was kind of the breakthrough, right? Like I had a complete breakdown and then I was like, okay, if the only way out is through, then the only way the ship isn't going to sink is if I figure out how to take care of myself in the deepest way I've ever done. And so there were a lot of things that happened. I mean, this this is a five-year story now, starting at this point. Um, it took me five years to to get through this, to navigate this mess I was in. And okay, to everybody online yeah. right now listening, know that this is podcast one of three. <laughs> okay, it is. We are getting back because I have to know all these details and I have to know it personally for me because... I'm in that right now. Like, you know, I definitely, if I don't take care of myself, like I won't be able to go two years, five years, you know, running this business and taking it to where I need to go. I mean, I will end up in exactly the same position. So for me, this is resonating so deeply with me. So, and yeah, I want to be able to, I want every detail and I want to read your book. Um, and yeah, share that book with so many people because it's important because also it's not just me going through it right now. I can guarantee you every entrepreneur that listens to this show right now in your story will be stopped like they have shivers and they're recognizing themselves right now in your story mm. i know it mm. thank you yeah. thank you for reflecting that because i you know like i said for a long time i didn't want to share this story i felt a lot of shame around it and mm. um i've recognized now that it's really important to talk about it's important to talk about these things that have happened in our life because our stories kind of become our superpowers. And I think if we can vulnerably share what's real and what's really happening for us, that that is also a form of healing. And 
that's really where, you know, this part of my five-year journey starts is that I finally started admitting to people in my life that I wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, and it brings up emotion for me to talk about it because I would have to go, I would, I was showing up every day for my people and my team with my kind of CEO hat on, just hiding everything in plain sight. And finally I was like, this is a new model of leadership and I'm going to model it. And I'm going to tell my team, like, I am not okay. I'm depressed. I need help. I need you guys to, to, to be better than you've ever been. Everything needs to be better than it's ever been. And I need to lean on you a little bit now. Um, and they stepped up, you know, and they, they were like, we got you. Let's, we're going to do it together. And I think, you know, that's, that's often the hardest part, um, especially of, of mental health challenges like depression is number one, saying you're not okay, but then asking for help. And especially for entrepreneurs and leaders, it's really hard to ask for help when you think I'm just supposed to, I'm like, I'm steering the ship, you know, I'm, I'm holding the flame, I'm doing all the things, but, but we need support to do those things. And and again, like self-care, what I realized is that, that 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 was the core of the resilience. The only way I got through it was mm-hmm. just literally sheer resilience. And my self-care practices that I deepened into in that period of my life are, are the only thing that carried me through it. And my community, which I actually consider part of self care is being in community with people and and allowing others to support you i mean i've never cried in so many public places in my life as i did during those years well that's why my eyes are tearing up right now because like it's so real it is so real and I was giving a talk one day on stage and there's a panel and i'm on the panel and the mc says nikki how are you doing and just the way she said it, I actually started bawling my eyes out. And everyone who knows me, they know like it takes a lot like to make me cry. And I just, you know, started bawling my eyes out. And when I finally was able to get my breath back, I was like, nobody has actually really asked me that, like truly wanting to know the answer. And it was just the intonation in her voice and the curiosity and the deep, true trust in the space that she was holding just brought me to that place. And, um, And I love what you said to your staff, you know, like, hey, I need to lean on you for a while. And your staff being like, hey, I got you. Mm -hmm. Like that was a part two that deeply moved me because it is hard doing, it is so fucking hard running these businesses on your own. Nobody's ever done it. There's no one who can give you like, unbelievable amazing advice because they've never been through it I mean they help you know and they're like okay try it this way try it this way but in the end of the day it's just like shit I gotta try something and you try it and it's like you throw up a Hail Mary and you're like fuck let's let this work it's the fucking hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life gosh I know I so honor you for the work that you're doing and And you're honest (laughs) our stories it's really it's so similar and you know and you know the other person I thought about was Brene Brown you just remind me so much of her and the message that she wear shares and um and that she wears you know right on her sleeve for the world to see it's that vulnerability piece and it's to be like fuck why do we like this Instagram social media piece has really thrown a big loop I think into our society um and it's like a spear because 
it's such fake bullshit. <laughs> like, you know, behind all of those entrepreneurs on social media are people like you and people like me and being like, how am I going to make it? I just need to make it through this next day. Um, so let's get to the self-care practice because that is the part that is, you know, it truly is the answer, right? Yeah. So describe to us what that looked like. Yeah. So, I mean, there are so many facets to it. I actually was trying to jot some of them, you know, and getting prepared to talk to you today. I was like, what, what were all the things? And the list was so long, you know, Amazing. so I'll try to just, just kind of recap some of it. But, um, so from a physical standpoint, you know, I'm the type of person that my body's stress response, you know, because stress hormones affect the hormones to tell us when we're hungry. And so my response in my body was, I don't want to eat anything. Mm -hmm. So that was a really hard thing for me to overcome because I never wanted to eat and I was losing weight. And, um, I knew that I had to get nourishment into my system at just a base level, you know? So I had really, really high quality supplements that I was taking every single day. Mm -hmm. because I, knew I wasn't getting enough through my food. I just couldn't eat enough to do it. Thankfully, I ran a food company that was making healthy organic food yes. <laughs> and I had a juice bar, you know, so I was drinking my green juice and smoothies every single day. Mm -hmm. um, just really got in like I could I would pack in as much nutrition as I possibly could whenever I could get myself to eat. And, um, you know, actually, I was I was using cannabis, too, because mm. it actually helped me. It, it stimulated the hunger response in my body so that mm. I would want to eat. And it helped me with the anxiety that I was feeling, too. You know, there was so much financial pressure that I was under. And also then just continuing to run this business that was growing like the business was actually doing well. So mm. I was trying to keep up with my company not being able to put any money into, you know, growth, but putting it all back into pay the debts, but I still had to keep up. So I was trying to keep up with the growth and also just trying to buoy myself. So definitely had my nutrition real dialed, like a hundred percent in my, you know, in my healthy eating practices, getting as much like high quality nutrients in as I could. Um, I was, really connected to my yoga practice at that point I was leaning on it like my life depended on it mm -hmm. and it did I mean it really did like yoga was the one thing that every time I did it I again I felt uplifted I felt like this release in my system um I started saying no to things like I stopped to the degree that I could overextending myself, which I think is actually a huge self-care practice is like the power of the positive. No, is like, yeah. what are you saying no to? So you can say yes to yourself or to something else that actually is nourishing. So, um, I really started setting like much harder boundaries around who I spent my time with, what I did in my free time mm -hmm. and really made sure that those were activities that I actually wanted to do that were going to going to give me something back that we're going to give me energy. Um, I really, at that point also, um, I started leaning hard on my people, like my husband, my really good friends, you know, most of everybody in my life knew that there was like the shit had hit the fan, but mm -hmm. I hadn't really let a lot of people into just like the true emotional stuff that I was experiencing. And I started doing that. I started, you know, having Friday night dates with my friend Raj and getting pizza and going to yoga together and crying when I came home and telling him what was going on, you know, nice. having coffee with my best girlfriends and 
and just really like allowing myself to talk about what emotionally I was experiencing and letting people support me, which was honestly one of the hardest parts. Like I didn't know how to, I never knew how to do that. And this experience forced me to do that. It mm -hmm. was really a matter of survival. Like I had to get the emotion out. Um, I also had a ton of anger because of, you know, what my partner had done. And I recognized, like, I just, I didn't know anything about anger. I didn't know how to process it. I recognized that I really had never had a lot of it in my life. And so the anger was like burning me mm -hmm. up. And I really started to understand how anger has to move because if you don't, it will sit in your system and it will kill you. And so my husband put a punching bag in my office. <laughs> just like certain days, you know, I was like, I am going to go in there and I'm going to beat the shit out of that thing. You know, like screaming in the pillow, punching the bag. It was just like, this is all energy and it's got to go. Like it cannot be in my, it cannot be in my space. Um, so that was actually a really interesting and unexpected self-care practice that developed in this time period. Amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I talked about yoga, community. Um, I know, oh, I hired a coach. I mean, I definitely, I knew, you know, my husband was amazing and he was, he was supporting me through all of it and not, not in any way complaining about it or anything, but I was like, I need to talk to someone else. Mm -hmm. Like I need to hire a person who is dedicated to helping me, you know, like designate some next steps and work through my challenges and what's happening for me emotionally. And that was one of the best decisions that I made was to, to, you know, to just spend the money and hire that support system for myself was really, really important. Um, and nature too, you know, every Sunday we'd go for a hike with the dog and, um, and animal, you know, my dog, like she was definitely just such deep medicine for me. Um, was so my soul doggy and you know there was there was a lot that just being able to be with her like take walks in the evening like I said I would take those walks and look people in the eye and I would turn on good like just kind of terrible pop music which I'm not even really into yeah. but I'm like I gotta raise the vibration here a little bit you know I can't listen to like sad shit I gotta like listening to some weird Britney Spears or what I don't know but I was just like I'm walking and I'm gonna try to feel good <laughs> You know what? Every morning, my girls, because three girls, oh my God, the music that's brought into the house. And thank God they love like Rolling Stones and Beatles and some good old classics. But they also like all the new stuff. And they also love all the old rap that's come back as well. So we are seriously wrapping out every single morning on the way to school playing like everything and singing at the top of our lungs and even when the kids friends get into the car like my oldest daughter and I um you know she thank god she's like reached 14 where she's like I don't give a shit anymore and so she'll be singing with me and she loves it and I love it and I swear to god it's my medicine every day like to not have that before going into work I don't know what kind of person I would be at work and it's true like you know stop judging the music that you listen to and who cares yeah. if it's not like you know cool with your friends you just got to give you yourself the stuff that truly feels good like where you can feel it in your bones and when you sing it you feel amazing yeah. yes definitely yeah, yeah. And, and music is such it's such great medicine that way great like medicine. it's just it helps you like shift into a new, um, just into a different vibration. And mm. that was really helpful for me too. Um, wow. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of like a, I mean, that's sort of a broad stroke of, you know, kind of the landscape. Um, and then, you know, I also actually did yoga teacher training during that time too, because I also recognized that if I couldn't fully be on the path I want that I wanted to be on, which was, you know, to do it, be back doing health coaching and, you know, and sharing yoga with people and back from kind of my teaching roots, I was gonna, I knew that I needed to cultivate something that really fed me and fed mm -hmm. my soul. And so I did yoga teacher training during that time too. It felt like a real gift to myself to just continue on my own education in the way that I wanted to. I think it's, you know, that's a really big piece of self-care too, is mm -hmm. to stay connected to what you feel curious about, what you feel, what makes you feel creative and good and, and joyful. And that was one of those things. And so I gave myself that gift of, of learning. And that's amazing because again, it validates me, validate Nikki <laughs> podcast. So, but truly because I mean, I'm doing my PhD right now and people would say like, that is the most fucked up thing you could do, right? Like, do you really have to do it all? Can't you wait and do that? And actually when it comes to this, I did put it on hold for one year when the business was like so busy. And I, that was one time when I truly cried for loss when mm -hmm. I put my PhD on hold because I'd waited 10 years to do it. I loved it so much and it actually filled me up. Like it filled, it nurtured me. It was part of my self-care and the way you put it, actually, I've never put it that way. And it's actually why I do it. It's because if I didn't have that, I would feel like I was truly missing out on something, you know, and it's what keeps me balanced. It's to even just read like one journal article in a day, write one paragraph or an assignment. Like it's not stressful. It's not crazy. It's actually like I need that and it has to fuel me. Um, and without that, like I just wouldn't. I, I can see that how it is self-care and and you need to know the difference between like am I taking on my yoga teacher training because I feel like I need to do it all and it's you know fueling my ego or is it fueling literally your soul yes. Yes. yeah that's beautiful so then you did this and then what happened because I know you're no longer running that business anymore so how did you and I just want to wrap this up for people and we are going to come back because I definitely want to chat in another podcast about um, the cannabis like what kind you're taking all of that I want to go into more detail around that um, what it did in your body um, and I yeah. think I want to touch more on the coach and what kind of coach, like there's so many aspects of this that I think in the next podcast, we're going to have to dive into deeper because I'm sure people are going to be like, but what kind of coach, what kind yeah. of cannabis, what kind of yoga, what kind, you know, like, and we will yeah. do all of that. So how yeah. did, so now you're doing all of this, you're fueling yourself. What happens with the business? Yeah. So, I mean, the long story real short is that, um, I dug myself out slowly over a four and a half year um, period. I paid back all the debts. Um, I hired a tax attorney that literally saved my financial life, wow. um, literally. And we worked together for two years and yeah, and slowly, you know, cleaned all that whole part of the mess up. And once I was, once I could see that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, I just knew that I, I was in full on, I'm either going to sell this business or I'm going to close it. And I mm -hmm. felt very strongly that there was an asset there to sell. I mean, the business had grown year over year, even with all the crazy shit that had been happening. And um, so I, and this is, you know, a whole other story that I won't go into detail, but um, I, I did connect with another a local CEO that had a very similar business to mine. And 
um, over a period of, you know, about a year, we worked out um, an acquisition agreement and he ended up buying, they ended up buying my company, um, assuming some of my assets. And, um, and I ended up um, being able to, to leave and follow my heart to move to San Francisco, which had been a very long time dream of mine. In fact, my husband had moved a year prior to me. So he was gone the whole year, the last year that I was in DC trying to sell my company, which is another big part of my story around depression and, and dealing with what was happening in my life. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I really, you know, there, there actually is a happy ending to that part of the story. Um, I mean, and I, I almost killed myself to get that happy ending, but it was just, it was part of my, it was part of my journey. You know, mm -hmm. some people are, some of us are training for the mile run and others are training for the ultra ultra marathon. And I recognized that I was training for the ultra ultra marathon and I didn't know why I still am figuring that out, honestly. Um, but I'm very clear that part of the reason that that happened is so that I can teach and help others in particular entrepreneurs. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs in San Francisco now in the Bay area, um, to prioritize themselves, mm -hmm. to recognize that self-care is not selfish. It is the absolute foundation of your brilliance. It is the foundation of your resilience. You cannot give to any other human what you cannot give to yourself first or any being really um, to anyone. And so I know that that's part of, you know, my message and my work moving forward is to to really teach people these foundational practices and to learn how to rest, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes you got to hibernate. Like you were the one who said, use that word to me. And I loved that frame. Like I hibernated for a year and a half. Um, I had to, like my body had to heal. And there's a lot to that journey too, which includes, you know, a trip to Peru and plant medicine. And, and there's more to that story. Um, yeah. I can't wait but, to hear about that too. And yeah, chat about that. Um, yeah. But mm -hmm. um it, it's it's definitely a journey and and it's it's always changing and we're always changing and and how we relate to what's happening in our lives is often the only thing we can control and that's mm. what I've really learned and how we take care of ourselves as we're relating to what's happening in our lives is often the only thing we can control so that is all um, so beyond beautiful and and so helpful. I think to so many people who are listening to this, who are experiencing that right now, um, you know, if you're on the precipice of burnout, um, just entering into it or in the middle of it or just coming out of it. I mean, even if you're just coming out of it, you got to know that you can easily go back in, right? It's so easy to return to our old habits if we haven't cultivated the, the plethora of tools and we need lots of different tools right you need community diet is such a huge part of, part of it like the food that you put into your body and that you nourish yourself with because I know for myself for sure if I was a chef in a different style of restaurant that didn't serve nutritious food I would be taking a shitload of medications there's no way that um, processed fast food lifestyle you know, and oily and refined sugars and refined salt and refined oils could sustain my body with everything that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. I know that 100%. And so people need to know that you need to build up those tools. And you've given us so many tools. And if people haven't considered yoga, I mean, we didn't even get to talk about breath work. And so we're gonna... Oh, yeah, yeah I, we'll talk about that next time. Because that is yeah. that has been the tool that's helped me more than anything. And yeah. it's a new one for me in the last year. Um, but 
It's and for really me as well, like Wim, Hof, like I do Wim Hof. I don't know which kind you do, but we're going to get into that in the next round. Um, and, you know, the kickboxing bag, you talked mm-hmm. about the CBD, you talked about um, having a coach, you talked about going out with friends and, you know, having pizza and then just crying and laughing. You talked about music. I mean, there's so many different things and we need to have lots. It doesn't have to be all one and nothing else. And that's what I found for myself as well. So I love that you shared that. Um, also, our, one question I have to ask you, are you, you know, glad that you went through it instead of around it or just stopping it oh yeah I mean I think even in my darkest moments of that experience I knew my my coach actually gave me this analogy she's like diamonds gain their brilliance through pressure Mm -hmm. right through through that process and so I tried to reframe that I tried to use that frame for myself even those really hard times I was like wow I'm going to be so shiny at the end of this, you know? Um, but I, you know, I, I do think that, that going through all of that darkness, like from the darkness comes the light, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, and I do think that it, it really, that experience really did polish me and, and it taught me so, so much. And I feel like, it was a real gift in every way. I would never want to do it again. Yeah. I don't intend to recreate that experience in my life again. Yeah. Um, but it was such a gift. I learned so many things I never, I never would have learned about myself um, if I hadn't gone through it. And so now I'm stepping into like, what is the next level of service? How can I use that experience to be of service to others? Mm-hmm. And so I'm back in that you know, in that space and that inquiry and, and going to do it differently this time in a way that feels more honoring to myself from the outset. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a shiny, brilliant human being. There is no doubt about that. You are that diamond in the rough and um, no one would ever guess like by looking at you um, and, you know, the brilliance that you exude that, you know, you went through all of that. So it's really important to know that you can't judge a book by its cover. Right. And can't assume that these beautiful people walking around every day um, haven't gone through something. Um, And the fact that you can come out on the other side. Right. And be glowing and and have the gifts that you have now that you can then share with others, I think, is um, a good, strong lesson that we all need to remember is that we can go through it, um, even some of the deepest, darkest stuff. And also you know, life is interesting. Like, you know, yes, we choose this path that we're on. We choose to start the business. We choose to bring on the partner that's going to end up like taking from us. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be other things at life that come our way. I mean, it could be the death of a child or a loved one, or it could be, you know, like the earthquakes and so many other things. But what you have now, Bonnie, is all of these tools, right? You are resourceful um, and you have all these tools that can help you really, truly get through anything which I think is amazing. And the fact that you want to be of service and teach that to other people is brilliance in itself too. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. How can people get in touch with you, get access to the services that you now offer, get on the wait list for your awesome book that you are going to write and put out into the world? How can people reach you? Yeah, well, probably the easiest way is just through my website, which is bonniecoberly.com. And all my information is there. How to follow me on social, which is just Bonnie 
Coberly um, on Instagram and Facebook. And um, I do have an online course that I'm developing right now mm-hmm. um, that should be out in the next couple of months. So you can keep your eye out for that um, as well as some other kind of goodies I'm working on. So, yeah. That's amazing. We'll put all of that in our show notes. And we are going to schedule another podcast with you because we have so many more details that we need to dive into to share your story that all of those details are going to be so helpful to all the listeners out there who are those mad, wild, serving, beautiful individuals that want to do good in the world, but they just need to support themselves too. So thank you thank you to all the listeners and stay tuned for our next podcast um, that'll be coming up on this eat real to heal podcast so i hope you enjoyed that podcast i know i have enjoyed that on so many levels mostly because it resonates so deeply with my life it is so validating but i enjoyed it because i know that it's going to resonate with you and that it's so validating for many of you listeners out there especially you entrepreneurs who want to do good in this world and want to be of service to the world so thank you bonnie for um, everything that you shared and please share this podcast far and wide with other people that you know in your network if you do know an entrepreneur out there or somebody who really is giving her in their field of work or a mother who just had a baby or a mother or father who has one or two or several children, I hope you check in with them. You know, invite them out for tea and just check in and see how they are doing because we have an epidemic right now of mental health disorders and the disorders are really truly a disorder of our society that we don't have community anymore that we have so many people living these isolated lives raising their children on their own running their businesses on their own being parents on their own um, trying to do good in this world but they're doing it from a foundation of isolation and we really need community they're also doing it from being isolated from good healthy nutrients and as you learned in this podcast Eating a nutrient-dense, unrefined, plant-based, whole food way is truly the way to keep yourself vital, to give yourself that living life force that you need to be able to just be resilient in this world that's always going to be full of stress, that's always going to be full of a multitude of different stressors. But if you don't have healthy food and community as your foundation, it's just going to make it so hard to be able to thrive and be resilient in this world. So please share this podcast with others so they can learn. Also give Bonnie Coberly a call. Um, She can be your coach. She can be your mentor. She can help you through this journey of being of service to the world, but to do it in a way that you put the life mask on yourself first, that you give to yourself first and make sure that you're strong and well before you try and give to others. Thanks for being with us. Stay tuned for the next podcast. Episodes coming out every single week with incredible people who have taken their life back and taken their health back by questioning, by researching, and by trying different things then until they find something that works for them. So stay tuned, be well, eat well, give lots of love to all those people around you. Bye-bye.